you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Friday, March the 3rd, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest, He was the first round pick of the Carolina Panthers in the 2005 NFL Draft, the 14th overall selection. His just reward for a remarkable college career at the University of Georgia. Go Dawgs. Second team All-SEC as a sophomore. First team All-SEC and consensus first team All-American after his junior season. He decided to forego his senior year and enter the NFL Draft instead, and what a good call That was 16 years in the NFL, 14 with the Black Cats, one each with the Bolts and the boys in D.C. He's been an All-Pro, a Pro Bowler, and a Walter Payton Man of the Year. And now I get to call him a colleague and a friend. He's number 58, Thomas Davis Sr. Welcome back to the pod, TD. That's a great introduction. On today's show, the Combine so far and the Combine to come. D-linemen and linebackers on the field Thursday. Defensive backs on the field today. Now, tomorrow, Saturday, is a day so many of you have been waiting for. Quarterbacks, wideouts, and tight ends. All eyes, of course, will be on C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. The deeper divers amongst you will look out for Tanner McKee and Hendon Hooker. And, of course, we are always looking for a surprise or two. I didn't mention Bryce Young because you will see Bryce Young In the arena, you simply won't see him throwing. Rather important detail. Now, the sound from the quarterbacks at the podium today serves as one hell of a prologue for tomorrow's drama. C.J. Stroud said he's been not just the best quarterback in college football. Stroud said he's been the best player in college football for the past two seasons. Will Levis, when asked if he's going to throw, said, oh, I'm going to throw. I've got a cannon and I want to show it off. But Anthony Richardson may actually have them all beat for bravado. The Florida prospect, 
who registers to many as more of a project, said he used to call himself Cam Jackson in high school. Bit of a mashup of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. Richardson went on to say that he's going to be the next, wait for it, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, kid, we see you, or at least we hear you. The question, what will we see from you on Saturday? Stay tuned for that. Till then, let's talk. On today's show, we will hear from the titan of tape, the film room phenom Brian Baldinger, on why cornerback prospect Christian Gonzalez just played himself up the draft board. The question, of course, how high? Baldy will also make a case for tight end prospect Darnell Washington, and he will explain why Tennessee's Hendon Hooker may be the best quarterback in this draft. You heard right. Check that draft board again. Plus, let's name check some standout performances from the first two days at the NFL Scouting Combine, presented by Noble. Make NFL Network and NFL Plus your Combine headquarters. D-linemen and linebackers did their thing on day one, and I was blown away. D-backs did their thing today, day two, and I was blown away again. Guys, the level of athleticism rises every single year, and I simply cannot believe how astonishing the measurables are for these young men. They, they always say, what, the future is now? Yeah, the future is now, the future is bright, and the future is seriously fast, y'all. Day one, 10 guys ran sub 4540s. Let's remind you, that's D linemen. Twice as many on day one as in any year since 2003. The fastest average time in the 40 for this position group since 2003, 4.83 average for the D lineman. The leader of the pack, George, is Nolan Smith, who was the star of the day, the fastest of the day. Kid ripped a 4-3-9. And I hope you saw this. He spiked his phone in disgust. So disappointed was he with his, you know, pedestrian, tortoise-like 40. He also put a 41 and a half inch vert on the board. The kid weighs 240. He jumped 41 and a half inches. You want to know what Allen Iverson's vert was? 41. You know, just saying. Top prospect, Will Anderson Jr. clocked a 4.6. Lucas Van Ness bettered that by a little click. 4.58 for Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Day two was an F1 straightaway. Straight line speed. Tay Banks of Maryland, 4.35. Fellow Terp, Jacorian Bennett, 4.30. Oh, Mississippi State's Emmanuel Forbes had a 4.35. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who Baldy will pump up in a moment, 4.38. And his head was rock solid. What a smooth athlete he is. Keely Ringo ran a 4.36. Matched by Darius Rush out of South Carolina, who ran a 4.36. But the class of the outfit, Michigan's DJ Turner, ran one time. One was all he needed. Kid is a speed merchant clocked a 426.04 off the combine record of 422. DJ Turner is a real fluid, easy mover, stop-start quickness, can recover. Ooh, he's fast, man. Ooh, yes, go blue, DJ <laughs> Turner. Go blue, baby. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Thomas Davis Sr. And you might be asking yourself, why would we have a ledge linebacker like Thomas Davis Sr. on today and not yesterday when the D-linemen and the linebackers were on the field? Well, because at his combine, TD drilled as a safety with the D-backs. Such was his versatility as a player. 
But while his NFL story was a triumphant one, his combine story was not. And that is a story I am fascinated to hear. TD, take me back. 2005. Did you have goals that you didn't achieve? A plan that went awry? What happened Absolutely. at the combine? I remember that moment vividly like it was yesterday. We had a game plan going in. We were going to do everything at the combine, but run the 40. We just were going to take a little time on other things throughout my training process, and my 40 was going to be ran on my birthday, which was also my pro day, March 22nd. And we go through the combine process. After you go through the interview process, though, you meet with all these different coaches and execs, and I'm extremely competitive. I probably, I'm probably in my own mind or in my own right, the most competitive person that I've ever met in my life, right? So while I'm going through the process, all of these coaches are telling me, hey, you're supposed to be the number one safety in this draft. Why aren't you running? Like, why aren't you running the 40? And Trail Roll is going to run. All these other guys, they're going to run. Why aren't you running? So after going through about four or five rooms of, of hearing that, I, I literally went against the whole plan that we came up with, me and my, me and my trainer, me and my agent. And I said, you know what? I am competitive. I am fast. So I'm going to go out here and I'm going to show them. I'm, I'm going to run this 40. Well, at the combine, it's not about just putting your hand down and just running a 40. They have two lines and you have to be behind both lines. And like it's a whole crazy setup that you have to train and you have to practice for. That's why you see so many guys have a regiment when they get up to the line to get ready to run their 40. I didn't have one. I relied on sheer speed and it resulted in me running a 4.6 and I was devastated. Mm. I literally thought that that decision ultimately would cost me my chances of being a first round pick and it literally ate at me for about three weeks until I had the opportunity to run my 40 again at my pro day. And I ran a 4-4-3 twice, same time, both 40s, and all was right in the world. And, you know, my agent really looked over me. He said, that was the best birthday gift you could have ever given yourself. There really is a science to the 40, as we have learned more and more as the years go by. Um, and you talk specifically about the two lines. Was it a technique thing? You simply didn't have the technique down. And the second question is, was your team trying to call you off when you said, no, 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 no. My competitive juices are flowing. They keep asking me this question. I'm tired of the question. I'm going to run the 40. Were they like, TD? What are you doing? No, I no, didn't no, even don't do it. Him. You didn't even tell I them. I didn't even tell them. I just, <laughs> when they called my name, I just went up. I just went ahead and did it. And my agent was like, what, what, what are you doing? What was that about? Yeah, I'm like, man. And I told him afterwards, he was like, he's like, I told you that that was going to happen. But it's, it's just tough looking into the end. And, and realistically, the final room that did it was Brian Van Gorder was my defensive coordinator at Georgia. But he had, go on, he had gone on to be... Um, a coach, I think, for the Falcons or either Jacksonville at that time, and he was in that room, and he was like, like, Pook, you, you're fast. Like, why, why aren't you running? I'm like, Coach, we just had a game plan, and, and then it just all changed. After I left out of that room with him, like, he was the guy that gave me the opportunity to be at the University of Georgia. So, man, I, you know, I, I regretted it that in that moment, but at the same time, it allowed me – to have the opportunity to really focus in on something that I really needed to work on yes, for sir. the course of three weeks. So I would tell all guys, run at the combine, put a time out there, 
and go and do it again at your pro day. If you are satisfied with the time that you get the first time, then live on it. If you're not, you have an opportunity to do it again. But if you wait until your pro day to run for the first time, there are no do-overs. I love that because you're absolutely right. You're putting a number on the board and you're saying, okay, maybe that's not my best, but I'm going to show every NFL scout my ability to transform myself, to adjust my sights, to adapt to new conditions, to learn a new trick, and to prove it on the day. Well played, Thomas Davis. And what, and, and, and what was one of the interesting things about this whole process, my shuttle time, I had a, a, a like a 393 shuttle time, which was – it didn't match up to the 40. Like usually when you see guys run a, a fast shuttle like that, they usually in their 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, range. So teams kind of knew something had happened over the course of that process because that was the big talk leaving the combine. Like, you know, he had one of the fastest shuttle times, but the 40 didn't match up. So, so clearly they recognized that it was probably did. a technique thing, not an overall concern about a skill set thing. Let's look at your pre-draft measurables. Height 6'1", weight 230, arm length 32 inches. I don't know how important that is at your position. Hand span 10 and a quarter, 40 yard dash, just close your ears. 466. 10-yard split, 1.72. 20-yard split, 2.81. But the aforementioned 20-yard shuttle, 3.97. Now, TD, I looked this up. I looked at the 2005 combine numbers. There were only 20 guys in the entire group who ran a sub-4 3.97. And most of them, of course, are D-backs and wide receivers, the incredibly fast-footed, lower-weight guys who are built for speed, judged for their speed, and work almost exclusively on their speed. All of those guys were the ones that went under 4.0, except for three linebackers, you and two other linebackers, that went in the top 15 in the NFL draft. So you're absolutely right. The three-cone drill, 7.09. Your vert, 36 and a half. That was disappointing, Kid. too. Really? Yes. That was disappointing? That was disappointing. 230-pound man jumping 36 and a half? Come on, kid. That's every, hops for days. Are you kidding me? Everything before that had been 40s. Everything so, before that had interesting. been 40s. So I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something meteorological, person. something yeah. atmospheric in Indy. We need to look at the air inside Lucas Oil Stadium. I just couldn't figure it out. It and the broad jump, happened. 9 foot 7 inches. These are all amazing numbers. But your standard was so high for yourself, some of those numbers fell short. I want to ask you about the interview. Was it scary? Was it no big deal? How hard a test was the interview? It, it wasn't hard at all. You know, for me, it was just all about being open, honest, and transparent. You know, that's what, you know, me and my agent talked about because he made it very, very clear to me. If they're asking you questions about certain things, then they already know. They already know the answer to it. So just be honest. And that's what I was with him. I was honest. I was candid. And I, I probably even gave a little bit more information than I probably should have. But I wanted every team that considered or even thought about drafting me to know exactly who they were getting as a player, as a person. And, you know, I am who I say I am, and that's kind of how I want to live my life, and that's kind of how I model my career. Redemption Day, Georgia Pro Day, your birthday was what, your 21st birthday, 22nd? It was my 21st, 21st birthday. I mean, you're just a kid. You're just a pup, right? 
There, and, and I think it's important for the listener to remember this. It's important for me to remember, and everybody who works here, that when we look at these young men out there, they are big, strong, strapping kids, and sometimes their age gets lost in all of that. They look like grown-ass men because they certainly, you know, move like grown-ass men, and they're playing a grown-ass man's game, and they're making some grown-ass man money. But the fact is, these are kids. These are wet behind the ears, 20 and 21-year-olds and maybe 22-year-olds. If you knew then what you know now would you have done things differently heading into the combine would you have would you have trained more on the 40 would you have stuck to the game plan and not run the 40 not allowed those voices to adjust your sights if you knew then what you know now what would you have done differently i would have done everything the exact same exactly way the that same. i did probably wouldn't have went in saying that i wasn't going to run i probably would have trained more for it but you know the game plan was to really make sure that we sent the other numbers through the roof that we like stood out in other areas and um i feel like i accomplished that in a lot of those areas in some areas you know whether it was due to the testing or whatever the issue that caused my vertical jump not to be as high or my broad jump not to be as far as the ones that i was putting out in training i could still live with the numbers that i put up because they were still decent numbers not what i was accustomed to but still decent enough numbers right so for me, I wouldn't change a thing about it. You know, I, I feel like the process, is, it was definitely hectic, but it was, it was a good process because I ultimately still ended up being the 14th overall pick, even though when the draft was structured the way that it was back in the day, it seemed like it took 20 hours for it to get to the 14th pick. So, I mean, it was still, still a great, great day and a great experience. Looking back at the combine, and this is really more for us looking ahead to the drills that we see out there today on the field and we will see continuing obviously tomorrow and Sunday. What is the drill for you that was the most important for you to get right, for you to nail, and maybe specific to your position? You, you drilled as a safety, but obviously you transformed because of your, your size and your strength into a dominant linebacker in the NFL. What is the the drill at the combine that these guys need to focus on nailing the most? You know, for I think for the safeties, just really showing your range, being able to get off the hash, being able to uh, track the ball in the air. That's one of the things that, that's going to be big for all of these safeties in this league because they need guys. When you're the last line of defense, you got to be able to make that play. And they trust in, they're trusting on you, the team, the defense, they're trusting on you to be the guy that make that play. So these safeties that are back there on the back end, they got to make sure that they're able to do that. You got to make sure that you have fluid hips. Hopefully that's something that these guys have been working, in, working on on the back end. And for linebackers, I would say the same thing. With the way that the, the NFL game has gone, it's more of a passing league now. You don't have the, the prototypical fullback, ISO run right at you, smash my football. So you got to have linebackers that can run, cover, and and do all those things, right? So these guys got to be able to showcase those tools and those abilities to go out and do that. So you got to have fluid hips. You got to be able to catch the football because they want guys that can create turnovers and take the football away. That's how you increase your draft value. Is that something you can train and perfect ahead of the draft? Because if the answer is yes, then can people cheat the system? Can you go into a draft? Can you, can you go into a combine, Thomas, Absolutely. and look the part and yet fool people into believing that you are better than you are if you nail the drills? 
can you nail a drill without having the skill set that you need to you, play on Sundays? You absolutely can. You can go in and you can kill the combine. You can be a workout warrior, but at the end of the day, you have to realize even though you go and you put up great numbers, that has not always led or translated to having success on the no, football field. And these teams, they understand that because now if you're a guy that's coming in that's kind of a tweener and not a lot of people know about you, they see your athletic ability, they see how fast you can run. Now what that's going to do, though, is going to allow them to, to play pay closer attention. Now they're going to go back. They're going to look at your film more. They're going to figure out, hey, can we use this guy here? Can we use him there? Is there something that we could possibly do with him here? So that's one of the things that I tell guys all the time because you see guys get one-track minded. You know, I'm a safety. I'm a safety. I don't want to play linebacker or I'm a linebacker. I don't want to play safety. You know, you always have to be open-minded because you can see yourself as one thing, but if you are versatile and multiple teams see you as something, then that increases your value. That increases your chances of being drafted high. So I always tell guys, man, don't go in with a closed mind. If these teams say something that they recognize you as, you just increase your chances of being drafted. Two more questions about the combine. Question number one, is it important for these young men to trust the tape, to trust the body of work that you put on tape for these NFL scouts in your career. You were a three-year starter in the SEC, so obviously you had a lot of impressive tape against top-level talent to show the NFL scouts. Not everybody has that. People coming from smaller conferences, from smaller schools, maybe not even all D1 schools. Do you trust the tape? Is the combine about confirming what you have put on tape or about changing minds, writing a new chapter? How do you see it? You know, you can look at it twofold, really, because I think if you look at a guy like, like Quentin Williams out of Alabama, Quentin only had the opportunity to play one year. He didn't have a ton of film out there, but what they saw, they saw a big, strong, physical, athletic kid that can go in and dominate and take over a football game. So... What he was able to do is go to the combine and, and really solidify who he was as a football player. Even though playing at Alabama, he had two other guys that were in front of him. He had to wait his term. When he got that chance, he took advantage of it. And now look, he's become an all-pro, Pro Bowl-type player because teams relied on the film that they had, the little bit of film, and they relied on the athleticism the agility and the size that they saw from this kid. But at the same time, you can also misdiagnose a kid, I feel like, because you may think that the film don't match. You know, I'm not seeing this athletic ability that he just showed. And sometimes that can be because of the scheme that a kid falls into. Just because he can't, he doesn't have the production in college doesn't mean that he can't be a successful pro. Like, I think you look at the Georgias and the Alabamas, like for the defensive end type bodies, a lot of these kids come out and they have better pro careers because Alabama and Georgia are two teams that make decisions. We're not going to allow a team to have explosive plays on us. We're not going to allow you to just come in and do what you want. We, we have a game plan and we're going to stick to it. So you see a lot of these guys just play at the line of scrimmage. They're not rushing upfield being selfish. They're playing within the game plan, and that's why these teams have success, and that's why you see a lot of these kids have more success in the NFL than they did in college. Last question, and it's a question I asked of Joe Hayden on Wednesday, who also, like you, had a disappointing story to tell about his combine 40. He was crushed 
but then he crushed his pro day and he went on to become a top 10 pick. You, the same, devastated by what you put on the field in Indy, but you, of course, ran 4-4-3 twice at your pro day uh, back at Georgia on your birthday. You rewrote the narrative, or at least you got the scouts to look back at the, oh, the original narrative, which was, this is one of the best athletes in the draft. This is potentially, if not the best linebacker slash safety in the draft. You pick him as high as you can, and of course you went 14th. But there are going to be a lot of young men, TD, who come out of this week thinking, maybe like you did and like Joe did, I didn't put my best stuff on the board. I didn't show those NFL scouts my best. What is your message to them? What is your pep talk to them? I assume you would tell them all is not lost. All is not lost. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be overly critical. Go back and fix the issues that you have. Like, that's, one, that's the best part about going out into the combine. Teams understand, like, there's a lot that goes into that process. They know that they're, they're crunching a lot of information, a lot of things into a tight window. So kids are going to be not at their best sometimes. But when you have an opportunity to have a couple weeks away from being in this space, seeing the kind of stuff that you put on film that you were not happy with, that you didn't like, I think teams really enjoy seeing guys go and make those improvements. You go and you are able to get the 40 time down, get the bench press up, get the vertical up. Teams look at that and say, you know what? This kid put the work in. So this is a guy that we can work with that is committed to being better. I'll draft him because I know that he's going to continue to work to be his best. And that's one of the things that I think is great about you know, having the opportunity to go and participate in pro days. I love that because you show people you're not demoralized, you're driven. You're driven to improve. You're driven to, to make it right. What does Dan Patrick always say? Don't be bitter, be better. Tiger Woods always said that every bad shot that he hits, and he used to hit a lot of them, he used to hit a lot of wayward drives, right? He was hitting it longer than anybody, but when it went wrong, oh my God, he was in a neighboring county. But he always said every bad shot is an opportunity to do something great with the next one. So I love that attitude and I really hope that the young men out there who may walk away from the Indy Scouting Combine thinking to themselves that they could have done better, well there you go. As TD says, you're darn right you can do better. You can but now it's will. now it's time to do better. So get Sorry. to work. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and with me now, you have heard him many times on this podcast before. We always finish our podcasts with him as smarter NFL fans. Welcome back, Brian Baldinger. Well, it's good to be here today, Drew. I mean, it's uh, I feel like the 2023 season has started. Yeah, it really has, and I think it has started with a blur, I think would be the way I describe it, because the speed that I am seeing from these young men at the scouting combine in Indianapolis, Baldy, I am astonished with the athleticism that I'm seeing from the D-linemen and the linebackers on day one, and from the defensive backs who were upstairs right now in the middle of the D-backs doing their drills, and what we are seeing today is blowing me away. Well, you know, what's happened is it's, it's, it's now a sport. It's a real sport. I mean, the college football season ends for a lot of these kids at Thanksgiving or around there. And they have been training since then till now. So it's been a three-month training. I mean, some guys aren't playing in bowl games. Some guys don't go to bowl games. Some guys are stopping the education. And this is their education. So I think all we're going to do is just get bigger, stronger, faster. Because that's what they're training, they're training to do right now. Well, one of the things I would say, I would actually take exception to what you've just said, because you said bigger, stronger, faster. I am seeing stronger, and I am seeing faster. I'm not always seeing bigger, though. In fact, from a lot of the D linemen that I saw yesterday, I'm seeing a different silhouette, Brian. I'm seeing a different body type, where there are more 235 to 250 guys, as opposed to the old days, where it was more 245 to 270. Am I wrong in that? Am I overstating well, uh, that adjustment? No, but you know, it's it's... Becoming positionless football. Yes. So you're seeing corners that are 6'2 and 6'3 like we just saw with Tariq Woolen and with Sauce Gardner this year, and yes. as good as they were. Uh, and we're seeing that with the corners now, Christian Gonzalez, you know, Joey Porter Jr. We're seeing huge corners. We're seeing big safeties. Uh, you know, so we're seeing size. Just, just think about, you know, great defensive basketball, how they can cover the court with just their wingspans. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're seeing right now in those positions with a passing league, just trying to take away as many of the passing lanes and zones as you can. I think I heard uh, Stacey Dales talking to Joey Porter's dad, right, mm -hmm. the legendary Joey Porter yeah. Sr., um, talking to him in the stands. And I think she said that Joey Porter Jr. has a, an 80-inch 
plus wingspan. Okay. I mean, Almost yeah, seven feet. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like he stretched his arms out and there's Kobe between his hands. Yeah, well, I mean, Sauce was talking to Rich today, Rich Eisen, and he was saying that, you know, it's it's really difficult for a quarterback to see his receiver open when you see basically, uh, you know, like a like a flying manta out there, <laughs> you know, covering him. You know, like, you, wh- where's the opening? A flying manta, says somebody who spends a lot of time in the Caribbean, spends a lot of time uh, free diving. Yes. You know what they look like up yes. close. I know what they look like via the Nature Channel. Um, let's get specific real quickly. I want to talk to you about somebody that turned your head today. You were waiting to see him perform. He is one of the five cornerbacks, D-backs, mm-hmm. I should say, who most experts, small e in quotes, mm-hmm. agree will be a first-round draft pick out of Oregon, Christian Gonzalez. Man, he looks the part. Mm-hmm. And when he ran his 40, I think he put in a 4-4-4. That's right. Uh, he was smooth as silk. His head was steady as a rock. He's a very lithe athlete. Man, he looks the part to me. You know more than I do. Tell me what you like about Christian Gonzalez. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, this combine serves a lot of purposes for a lot of different players and for personnel. But one of the things you want to see is when they run these 40s or they do these drills, does that transfer to what you watch at Oregon? Yeah. And when you watch them at Oregon, you see a corner that's big, that can play press, he can play off, he can do all those things. But he's physical. So you see, you know, he's six foot two and change. He's well over 200 pounds. He's running 4-4-4. He's smooth as silk, right? Like those things transfer. And then you watch him hit. And you watch him just knock receivers out of bounds, or you watch him reroute receivers. Um, you know, I, I think there's technique things that he's got to work on. I think there's some footwork things that you can get away with in college that a good receiver in the NFL won't let you do. Those, those kind of things, that's where coaching comes in, and that's where uh, styles come in. But everything he showed today is what I saw. Or He started 30 games at Oregon, you know, for the better part of three years now. Um, what I saw at Oregon is – what I saw on film here today, just a very smooth, um, almost, eff- it, it looks effortless. It does the look way effortless. That it moves. Yes, it does. And, and, you know, and like sometimes you use those terms to describe players, and maybe it's not apt or fitting, but it, it's like the old adage, like everything is difficult before it gets easy. He just makes it look easy. I don't know if it was ever difficult. You know, he just looks very natural. I tell you what, the greats in every sport make the difficult look easy. Now, I'm not tagging tagging him as great yet. Obviously, he's got a long way to go, but you're absolutely right. He certainly, at this early stage, makes it look easy. Baldy, I looked at team needs on several different websites, including, of course, our own, and I counted 30 out of 32 teams. 30 out of 32 teams had, as a top five or six positional need, either cornerback or safety. So clearly, it is a league that is in need of help on the backside of their defense. The secondary is porous everywhere, no matter who you are and how good you are. So the fact is, everybody's eyes are on today's positional groups. Do you see a team or have a team in mind for a guy like Christian Gonzalez, or is he so good, is he so, is he so kind of right and ready for Sunday that he'll be a good fit anywhere? Well, I think you can play in any system. But, I mean, you just look at, you know, you always look at the champions, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. I mean, they, they played four rookies in their secondary, and two of them, like basically, or three of them basically played the, a prominent role throughout the playoffs. And I don't know if they win the Super Bowl without their rookies in the secondary. Um, you think of the the interceptions by Watson against Jacksonville, against Cincinnati. Uh, you know what 
Uh, Trent McDuffie yeah, did. McDuffie he was the first up. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, they all they all performed. Yep. And so, uh, look, you could. I mean, if you go 30, 32 teams, I mean, the Giants need corners. Yes. You know, I mean, you look at Wink Martindale looking at these corners. He's drooling. You know, you give a guy like that. You know, he's comes from that Ryan family of you know football trade. Give me corners. I'll give you a great defense. That's kind of how they think. We're going to lock you guys up, and we're going to make it difficult. We're going to challenge every throw, and then it's going to give us the freedom to come after you in a variety of ways. And so, you know, I mean, you could go, uh, you know, Buffalo just has invested in uh, corners uh, two of the last four years uh, in the first round. You, you know, you had mentioned, and you're not wrong, Drew, saying the Eagles at 10 yeah. could very well be in the markets. They haven't done that. doesn't mean that they won't do it. Um, Howie Roseman is very skilled at what he does. Um, they typically, you know, kind of build from the trenches out. But you know, you've got to be you've got to be good at those positions right now. Uh, you know, you play teams like Buffalo; they're going to put four receivers out there every single time, every single play practically. And some of these teams like that. You better have guys that can that can backpedal and change direction and flip hips and all the things that you know Daniel Jeremiah is talking about today. Uh, translation, Christian Gonzalez, the future is bright for you, yes. young man. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's turn to somebody else for whom the future is bright, but only because he's much closer to the sun than the rest of us. Tight end prospect, Darnell Washington. Talk to me about Darnell Washington. We are going to see him on the field tomorrow, that is Saturday, at the Combine, when quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends take the field for their on-field drills why should I make a special point of looking out for Darnell Washington? Well, I think he has a chance of almost redefining the position of tight end. You know, he's six foot seven. He's two hundred seventy plus pounds. I'm watching him pull and lead the way an offensive tackle, you know, would pull and lead in the run game. I'm watching him flex out in the slot, running routes and adjusting to the ball in the air like he's Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, you want to run the ball in this league, and everybody wants to run the ball in this league. Well, if you don't have a tight end or an extra tackle that can block the edge, you're not going to have a strong side run game. He's going to give you that. He's a good blocker, and I think he could get better. But his natural size and movement jumps off the page, and you think, you know, he's basically an NBA big power forward on a football field. And so I think everybody... You know, I think it's a good tight end class, too. I don't know how many will go in the first round. I'm not here to predict it right now. But, like, you want that guy in your offense. Like, you you can make that guy a three-down player, never take him off the field. Short yardage, goal line, you know how important all that is, getting a yard. Uh, the run game, the, the, the size and the pass game, he just gives you a target. You know, I mean, he's going to be easily found. And I can't imagine 220-pound linebackers or 210-pound safeties trying to guard him. Give me his numbers again. You said 6'7", 270-plus. I saw a clip of him hurdling a guy in the open field. Um, I think we often throw around this time of year the athletic freak. That's a phrase that you hear yeah. uh, being overused. Yeah. And forgive me, I overuse it myself. But I think we can aptly apply physical freak, phenom, to, to Darnell Washington. What I have seen from him defies physics, defies gravity, um, and certainly defies our perception of that position. So to your point, Baldy, he may well have the ability to reframe and redefine the position of tight end, which we have seen become increasingly more important year in and year out for the last decade. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, think about what the Kansas City Chiefs would be without Travis Kelsey. Like, 
that's the one. I mean, obviously the quarterback is special, but like that's the one constant in this whole offense over the last five years with Patrick Mahomes has been Kelsey. But there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of teams that would have recruited Darnell Washington and they would have turned him into an offensive tackle. Yeah. You know, Lane Johnson was a tight end at one time. You know, he's the premier right tackle in football. You know, he's six foot six. He's, you know, he's way, way, but at one point he was six foot six and 270 pounds and they made him a, a, a tackle. That's what they've done with a lot of these guys. They kept him at tight end because he can run routes and catch. He's he's not a he's he's an excellent receiver. You know what T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt used to play when they were younger? Tight ends. You darn right they did. Yeah. Last thing for Brian Baldinger. Thank you so much for your time. I know you need to get back downstairs, but you made a very interesting comment in the green room. That's right. That's right, listener. I was hanging out in the green room. I got some cred around here. A little bit, I, well, my pass works. Um, please explain to me what you were saying about Hendon Hooker, because we are guilty of, of you know, this elaborate game of myopic focus only on the bullet point, only on the headline guys. When it comes to the quarterback position, and we will see several of them out there, of course, tomorrow. The conversation in NFL circles ahead of day one of the draft, as if there's only one day of the draft, is focused, of course, on Bryce Young, on C.J. Stroud, on Will Levis, and on Anthony Richardson. And yet you would like to draw our attention to somebody who may deserve first day consideration, but wherever he goes in the draft may end up being the best quarterback in this draft class, one Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Make your case. Well... You know, he, he tore his ACL this yes, year. Yes, he did. Okay, so he's, you know, he's on the mend. They say, you know, did you, and he'll be ready. So that never works in your favor when we're talking about all these other guys right now, and rightfully Bryant Young and all the guys. But, you know, he's got prototypical NFL size, number one. You know, he's six foot four, maybe a little bit taller. He's 220 pounds, maybe a little bit more. He is, uh, he is a great athlete. He has started at Virginia Tech. He started at Tennessee. He's played a lot of games. Um the knock is he's 25 years old. So if you bring him in and he's not ready to go right away or, you know, he's, you know, wait his turn a year or whatever. Now he's 26 and okay, you get one contract out of him. Now he's 30 and then what? So that's a knock versus kids that are 21 right now. But when you just watch him throw, just forget about his knee right now. Forget about his age. When I watch him play, he looks like the best quarterback in the draft. Size, delivery, just astute, um, mature uh, leader. Uh, Tennessee was off the map bad. You know, like nobody talked about Tennessee football. They're beating Alabama now. You know they've got a real quarterback, a real leader. And when you look at you know what we saw from Brock Purdy this year, and I'm not making any comparisons, but we saw a very mature kid. Yes, we did. Ready to go. And nothing. He looks too like an eight-year-old, but he played like a twenty-eight-year-old. Yes. And the, when I when I look at these quarterbacks, I don't know them personally, but you can tell a lot about their poise, how they conduct themselves, and some things. He's, he's a mature kid. He's a mature man. Yeah. And I think a guy like that can step in, and he can lead day one. Like he t but he's going to get knocked down because of the injury and because of the age. But if you just say, who's the best quarterback? To me, when I watch him, you know, you could say Anthony Richardson and all the athletic ability and Bryant Young and his accuracy and, and all. You could pick them all apart. But Hennett, I just keep coming back to Hennon Hooker. I remember one time Andy Reid, you know, his first pick as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles was Donovan McNabb, yep. second pick in the draft. Yep. 
And that year, there was five or six quarterbacks taken in the first round. And so I remember asking Andy how he decided it was going to be Donovan because he didn't come out of a passing uh, school at Syracuse or anything like that. And what Andy did was he put each of the quarterbacks up on his video machine every day, and he watched a different one of the five or six every day, and he just kept coming back to Donovan. And I feel like it's early in the process for me. I, li I like to watch more of all these guys between now and the draft, but I keep coming back to Hendon. Translation, Hendon Hooker, no matter where he ends up hearing his name called, may just be the steal of the 2023 NFL Draft I want to thank my special guest today, Brian Baldinger. Brian, thank you so much. Get downstairs yes. and start to uh, okay. start to piece these D-backs apart. We'll do that. Thanks, Drew. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And the segment you are about to hear was recorded on Thursday, March 2nd, after we learned of the passing of former Panthers owner, Jerry Richardson. Andrew Levy with Thomas Davis Sr. on a day in which the Carolina Panthers today announced the passing of their former owner, Jerry Richardson. Panthers current owners, David and Nicole Tepper, released this statement today. 
Jerry Richardson's contributions to professional football in the Carolinas are historic. With the arrival of the Panthers in 1995, he changed the landscape of sports in the region and gave the NFL fans here a team to call their own. He was incredibly gracious to me when I purchased this team, and for that I am thankful. Nicole and I extend our deepest condolences to Rosalind, the entire Richardson family, and their loved ones. We wish them much peace and comfort. Thomas Davis Sr., I know you will echo those sentiments. You played 14 years in a Panthers jersey. Richardson was the owner for your entire tenure in Charlotte, though he had stepped away from the day-to-day -day after his bypass surgery in 2009. But I know he was an important figure in your career. Where does your mind go today at the news of Mr. Richardson's passing? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad, saddened, um, definitely disappointed. And the reason I say that is because, you know, Mr. Richardson was a, was more than a team owner to me. You know, he was a dear friend. He was somebody that, you know, I confided in a lot. You know, even to this day, we still had, we had our days where we would just go sit down and just meet at his office and just catch up on life. And um, I could talk to him about certain things and get like a fatherly perspective. And just to know that, you know, for me as a player, I was able to extend my career because I had Mr. Richardson there and he believed in me. He always told me that there were three guys that he drafted personally. He made the decision that these guys were gonna be a part of the organization. Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis, and Christian McCaffrey. Wow. Those are the three guys that, you know, he he personally had a hand in in, in making sure that became a part of the organization. So whenever you look at the guys and the body of work, I think that really speaks to, you know, one, uh, how he feel, how he felt about his organization and who he brought in. And really, I think it speaks to who he was as a person. Like he sat back and he allowed other people to make the decision. But when he had an eye for it, he got it right. Pretty select company, Julius Peppers, Christian McCaffrey and Thomas Davis Sr. But I, I overheard you say something, T.D., and I, and I hope you don't mind sharing it again here. But when you were at your worst, or at least when things potentially looked their worst, you're the only player in NFL history to come back from three ACL injuries. Uh, it was Mr. Richardson who invited you to think most positively about a scenario that for most players might have been doomsday. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we literally had a day where we set up a meeting. It was, I'll never forget the day. It was me. Mr. Richardson, our head trainer, Ryan Vermillion at the time, uh, our head doctor and um, our head orthopedic doctor, I'll say, and Pat Connor and a newly hired Ron Rivera, who didn't really know a whole lot about me at that moment, you know, other than, you know, witnessing or watching me play. He didn't know who I was as a person. He didn't know who I was really as a player but the doctors and the trainers behind the scenes told Mr. Richardson, you know, this was his this this was my third consecutive ACL tear, and they just felt like the knee wasn't gonna hold up. They felt like it was time for them to turn the page. I had just signed a contract extension two years prior. So they felt like it was time to move on. But and I'll never forget when you see a man who's who has the who has the the amount of power and the amount of ha, has had had the amount of success that Mr. Mr. Richardson had at that point, for him to 
to get teary-eyed, to, to shed tears with me as a player who sat in that moment with my career on the line, not knowing what the future looked like. And you see that amount of emotion. You see that amount of care. And you hear him go above and beyond guys that he's hired to do a job and say, I believe in him more so than you guys do, and I'm going to give him a chance. Like for me, like that's something that, that that literally changed the the course of my whole career because I had never made a Pro Bowl to that point. I had never, I never really won anything. Honestly, never been selected to do much. I feel like I had a decent career to that point, but for him to make that decision and give me the chance to come back and play that game, and and put myself through the process, and he told me like, look, if you're willing to put yourself through this and you want to be a part of this organization, I want you here. I want I want you to have that chance, and that was motivating to me. Every single day that I went into the training room, every single day that I went into the weight room to get stronger, to get back. It was always in my mind that I wanted to make Mr. Richardson proud. I wanted to make sure that he knew that he made the right decision. And um, I received that validation after, you know, I was done playing. And he, he, we, every time I would go see him, we both would kind of chuckle. He was like, he would always greet me and say, like, I'm glad I didn't listen to him. And, you know, my response, I'm glad you didn't either. Because just having somebody believe in you as a football player can make the world a difference. And it was that for me. It made the world of difference. It, it gave me the confidence that I needed to get through those steps and to go from tearing my ACL three years consecutive into after that, making the Pro Bowls three consecutive years. I think that's a true testament to just having faith and having someone believe in you as a player. For you to achieve your highest heights, your greatest years as a professional to come after your toughest days uh, on the training table in the surgery room. That's an extraordinary thing, and I'm so, I'm so glad you shared that story. And TD, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you. I want to thank today's very special guests, Brian Baldinger, and of course, our primary guest today, the 16-year NFL veteran, the guy who drilled as a safety at his combine back in 2005, but made his name as a linebacker in the NFL, that of course being Thomas Davis Sr. Please join us on Monday when we take a look back at the best of the combine. Four days of drills, every position group, the fastest, strongest, toughest, leanest, meanest guys I have seen ever. I think that is a yearly statement now. The players joining the NFL, coming out of college and starting to play their, their football on Sundays, making that jump from Saturdays to Sundays, these guys are better than ever. It is a joy to watch, and we will look back at the best of the NFL Scouting Combine presented by Noble. Make sure to catch it all this weekend on NFL Network and NFL Plus. Then we will look ahead. What have we learned from four days of drills at the Combine. Who stood out? Who starred and who stumbled? Who is on the rise and who is on the fall on the draft board? That's Monday. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.